Welcome to Hanging at the Hangar Bar. I'm Scott. I'm Candace. I'm Lariah. And I'm Lacey. Grab a drink and come hang with us at the Hangar Bar. Okay, well, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first ever Hanging at the Hangar Bar book club discussion. I am Candace, and this fine gentleman is Scott. Um, you're familiar with our voices from all the podcasts, hopefully. And we thought that this would be a great little format so that we can kind of go face to face with our listeners and talk about some really, really good uh, Disney books. So uh, the book that we are discussing and our very first book of the book club is Women of Walt Disney Imagineering. 12 w- Women Reflect on Their Trailblazing Theme Park Careers. So, Scott, what was your overall impression of the book? I absolutely loved it. Like, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I thought it was just going to be, like, stories of the women who worked there. Like, I I didn't know quite what to expect jumping into it. So I thought it was going to be like, oh, I worked on this project and this project and let's tell the story of this person and what they meant to the company which it was a little bit of that but there were much more that's not the right that wasn't very good english there was a lot more management lessons and life lessons that i that i got out of that book that i didn't expect to see in that book which i thought was phenomenal how about you um, I loved it. Um, I think v- it's very important to celebrate the strides and bounds that women have been able to make, especially in, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I learned some things that I didn't, that it didn't register with me about the Disney company um, as we were reading through this book that maybe it should have, and I don't know why it didn't, but it just like these ladies had to basically pull themselves up from the very, very beginning. And they had to sometimes fight and claw and, you know, go up against some pretty hard things to be able to keep their positions and and advance and thrive in their jobs. And I think that they're very brave. So kudos to them. Yeah. Each and every one of them, even the ones that kind of had a little bit of privilege within the Disney company, they still had to start from like the ground up and and find their way in, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. What was your uh, favorite parts or favorite chapters of the book? This one is hard for me because I don't necessarily have necessarily a favorite chapter. Well, I take that back. So the one that I goes back to me, the one that keeps popping into my head, and I don't remember whose chapter it was, and and since you have the book in front of you, I can't look it up. So the one where they talk about the lady who ended up being the director of lighting for the different theme parks, like her, her story, and like, that was one of those moments where I'm like, holy crap, they put a lot more thought into that than I think they do. And like taking somebody with a theater background and saying theater background is more important than an engineering background. We can teach you engineering. We can't teach you creativity and we can't teach you to look at something with a theatrical eye. We can teach you how different light bulbs work. We can teach you how different light canisters work, how different color things work that her chapter was just fascinating to me. 
And I think that's interesting that you bring it up since today is World Theater Day. Right. Good timing. Good yeah. Timing. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> so I think probably my favorite um, chapter in the book was the one written by Tori Atencio McCullough. And her maiden name, Atencio, should make everybody who is anybody ever, everybody uh, of a Disney fan or knows any dis Disney history at all. Her dad was ex-Atencio, one of Walt's first partners in animation. So, I mean, the and that's another thing that I noticed throughout this book is like the ladies that wrote the chapters of this book talk about people like ex-Atencio and John Hench and Mary Blair and Leota Toombs and Marty Sklar like it was just Tuesday. And they worked with these people every single day. And now, if you know anything about anything about Disney, these names are huge. And they got to go work with these people every day. And had and have John Hinch say, yeah, that color's okay for that. Or, no, you need to fix that. Or have Mary Blair say, mm, that background doesn't quite look right. Let's do it this way. Right. Holy crap. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's the other thing that, like, as we, I'm sure we'll talk about this more as we get further into it. The, um, the connection to Walt throughout, and like, I caught myself pondering a couple different times. So maybe I, I can ask this question. We can talk about it for a minute. These ladies are now the part of the generations that had to give the company over to a new generation. The people mm -hmm. that they were talking to, the the Walt Disney's, the the ex the X's, the John Hinches, they were the ones saying, "Hey, I'm trying to lay a foundation to give Walt Disney Imagineering over to you," and now they're the ones sort of turning it over to others, which is is interesting. Do you think some of the things that we've been seeing in the Disney Company lately are because we're getting further and further away from Walt? I and do. not just in theory, but actually in time. I do. Like, I do. And, and part of that is because, like, our society is changing so much from what it was when Walt was alive that, I mean, how could it not change? But at the same time, it's like, I don't know that some of the changes that are happening now, even if Walt was alive and could see the changes that brought, are bringing about these changes... I don't know that they would be within his scope of, yes, that's what I want for my company. Right. Yeah. Because all of the stories about what Walt wanted in customer service, what Walt wanted from a detail perspective, they're now just stories. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody in that company, there's, I, is there anybody left in the Walt Disney company that worked alongside Walt to have firsthand knowledge of, no, this is what Walt said and here's how it, applied to the business. I don't think so. They'd be long retired if they're still alive. Yeah, that's kind of what what I'm thinking too and that's the Disney company is going to have to think about that. And and like to circle back around to book club, books like this should be required reading at the Disney company. I agree. Like for everybody that steps into a leadership position, a book like this should be required reading. Heck, I am thinking about making my leaders at a non-Disney company read this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about that. And then, like, part of you thinks, like, the way that society was back when Walt was alive, 
and some of the traditional um, roles and that kind of thing within a family and and traditional jobs and that sort of thing. I I don't know what to think. I mean, I I don't even know where I was trying to go with that, but I, I think you get it. It's like, how can you wrap your head around how different things are going to be in X number of years when it's been a certain way for so long? Right. And then how do we adapt this company based on these philosophies to a change in society, a change of people, a change of workforce? Um, I mean, a couple of years ago, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, they did a revamp of what the traditional Disney look and what the requirements for hair, makeup, nails, visible tattoos, all of that has changed um, versus what was not acceptable just a few years ago to now is accepted and welcomed and celebrated. Right. And th- I mean, it's kind of like technology. Things is things are changing so fast that I think it would be hard to go back to the time where Walt was living and have him look forward and see what's going on, and have him be well. What I don't I don't understand what what's happening to my company. Right. Yeah, and that's so interesting because I think one of the things that's demonstrated throughout that book. And so like, I'm sure this might be one of your questions. So I apologize if I'm jumping ahead, but the growth in the company from when these ladies started to what they left the company with same thing. Like there were, I, what, there were 15 different people writing for this book. Yeah. 12, 12 different people writing for this book. And Almost to a person, they all had to deal with a-hole men that didn't think they should be there. Mm -hmm. But through the course of their career, through their fighting, through their perseverance, through all of that, the company started to change. But you also don't feel like they were faulting too far away from Walt. So how do they maintain that as they continue to change as they get further away from Walt? It's just, it's, it's such an intriguing problem when the entire company is based on, on the whims of one man Mm -hmm. that's now been dead for 60 years. Mm -hmm. He died in the 60s. So 50 years, 50, 60 years he's been gone. Yeah, there's nobody working in that company that that walked the halls with Walt. No. So that kind of feeds into my next question for you um, (laughs) of were there any eye openers in the books or any big takeaways? I know you've mentioned like the leadership principles that you learned that you weren't expecting to see. But did were there any eye openers? There definitely were for me, but. Go ahead. Yeah. So the the first one, and I, I don't know why it's an eye opener because it makes perfect sense. And it sort of builds off of the conversation we were just having around the quality. Like that's the one constant that no matter what happened. So as these, as these ladies came in and were building careers for themselves, no matter where they started, they the expectations are sky high. 
like perfection is the it, like I, I think of like in a typical corporate environment, you have somebody that's inconsistent, somebody that is um, doing expected work and somebody doing better than expected in the Disney company. Better than expected is expected. Mm-hmm. There can be nothing wrong to the point of um, who's the color guy. Um, John Hench. John Hench will come by. One of the stories in the the book was a lady talking about um, she thought she would pull one over and do a slightly different color. He walked by, glanced at it and said, that's not the color that I picked and just kept right on walking. Mm -hmm. Like you, that is the expectation that you do this exactly right or it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Better than expected behavior at Walt Disney Imagineering is you creating something that's never been created before, not just doing your job well. Right. And I think the same could be true for the entire Walt Disney company. I mean, not just Imagineering, but I think Mm -hmm. across the board and and that's something that Walt was very passionate about. And um, during my time at Disney Institute, one of the tenets that they taught us in that class was that perfection is unattainable. I mean, we know that we're not perfect because we're humans and we're flawed by nature. But so if you're going for perfection is unattainable, but that's what you need to be shooting for. Excellence is what you should be shooting for. And that does not mean doing as expected. I'm writing that down because I'm going to use that at work tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I spot on. I, I think what you just said there makes makes a hundred percent sense. That yeah, perfection isn't the key. Excellent. I mean, it's it's a nice it's a nice pipe dream, but I mean, as flawed humans, we're never going to get there. And I think it's important to realize that. And yet, I don't think there's any flaw at all with expecting the very best from people. Right. It's like right. if you're going to come in here and I'm going to pay you money to do this job, give me the best you got. Otherwise there's the door. Sorry. Yeah. yeah and they're unapologetic about that. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Agreed. So the other thing that I think kind of caught me a little bit off guard was that there were Disney leaders that were a-holes mm-hmm. that were bad people. Mm-hmm. And I caught myself again wondering, and the book never really dealt with this other than just the good far outweigh the bad, but I caught myself wondering, how does Disney deal with those employees, with those leaders that are bad, that are cornering a woman in a hotel room saying, I'll further your career if you sleep with me, Mm -hmm. like in a time when that man wouldn't get in trouble for doing that. Like, how did they grow past that? Was it the tenacity of these women? Was it the, um, I am horrible with names tonight. Um, Marty Sklar, is it him and his ability to kind of be at the top of it saying, no, let's let's bring you on. I'm going to ask you the right question in front of the right people to sort of shut that person up a little bit. And that's how I'm going to manage them out of the organization that I caught myself wondering how they dealt with that, because mm-hmm. I think you still see that in corporate America today. You see mm-hmm. some of that 
And now there's put things in place that if somebody feels threatened like that, there's ways to report that and investigations that happen and all of that kind of stuff, whether you believe that that's going to go anywhere or not is different, but they put things in place because of that time period. So how did Disney grow past it? Yeah, I, I don't know. And like to think about it because a lot of what the book was saying was that, and I've, I've kind of sensed this in a way, but I've never actually read anything that says it was that way. But now that I've read this book, it provided a different perspective. Disney was kind of an old old boys club. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling that it is still kind of that way a little bit. Like it's kind of who you know and not maybe so much what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just going back to the days before like sexual harassment was an actual thing to be concerned about. I it it was just taken for what it was, and it was taken for normal behavior in an office setting or anywhere really. Um, so I don't know how they would have handled that. I don't yeah. know, but but God bless the ladies that dealt with it because that would be terrible. Yeah, the one lady who was related to oh the the you'll remember this story from the book, the one that finally convinced her dad to let her wear pants into the office. Oh yes, mm-hmm. wasn't that Maggie Irvine Elliot? I yeah, it may have been. I I don't remember any of the names, but the the story if you haven't read the book is um, she was a a young lady either in college or right out of college, just getting started in Walt Disney Imagineering and was having to climb up on ladders. And the dress code at the time was skirt just right above the knees and blouses and that whole bit. So she was exposing herself every time she had to do her job and she like the this is the way that and this is i think how you're successful in walt disney imagineering she didn't try and convince her dad who was the boss of walt disney imagineering at the time that women should be allowed to wear pants she talked his secretary into wearing a pantsuit to work one day so that he would see that it can look professional and that they can still do their job And all of a sudden the dress code changed like a week later. Mm -hmm. So like some of that, like you're saying the old, she was a a little bit of a part of that old boys club, but she also knew how to manipulate it a little bit. Like, I wonder if I do this. And make it his idea. Right. Yeah. 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 And so like those little things were also like surprising throughout of, of them figuring out how to manage the situation and, how to get what they wanted without just flat out saying, I'm going to quit if I don't get what I want. Right. Because Disney would have said, okay. There's the door. We'll find somebody else in five minutes that wants this job and won't give us any of your crap. Right. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest eye openers for me, and this is going back to what I was saying earlier about how I never really thought about it before but actually reading it has sort of opened my eyes to the whole thing. Disney is a corporation. Right. Like you don't think about these magical theme parks and, and, you know, these beautiful cruise ships and all of this sort of thing and all the magic they create and all the wonderful movies that they do and all of this. You don't think of it as like an actual living, breathing corporation full of all the crap that every other corporate America 
company goes through, including sexual harassment, including hiring issues, including layoffs, which they're going up against uh-huh. again now. But just be just be comforted in the fact like they announced that the layoffs are going to start happening this week. Of, I think, 7000 cast uh-huh. members. Um but it's not the first time there were several instances in the book where it mentioned like different layoff periods, like through Epcot and all of these other things. So it's, it's not, there's not anything new. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting because I, I had never actually thought about that before that Disney is a company, Disney's a corporation and they go through what every other company goes through, maybe on a grander scale, um, just because of the size of the company, but yeah, they they have all that junk to deal with too. Yep. Yeah, and the, when they were talking about that's the other thing that Disney has always and will probably always be kind of a desirable place to work mm-hmm. because even some of those folks that when Epcot got built and then they said, okay, we're going to lay off ninety percent of Walt Disney Imagineering because we don't need them anymore. There's not, there's no work to be done. Several of the people who wrote in the book got laid off and went and made their skill set better and were invited back. Mm-hmm. Like they, everyone, not everyone, but lots of those people had come back after they had gotten laid off or at, none of them took what I would call a traditional career path. Mm-hmm. to the head of Walt Disney Imagineering. They all winded their way there and and just were super strong about it and took what came at them and in some cases went and did something different, learned a new skill that was then more in demand for Disney and Disney brought them back. It just those kind of stories are, are I love those kind of stories at a place like Disney because to your point, it is, you get laid off from a company. I, I think if I were to get laid off from my company tomorrow, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be like, okay, what do I need to do to get better so I could come back here? Right. I'd be, I'd be moving on. I'd be like, okay, what's my next step? Where do I go? And right. that doesn't involve coming back to where I'm sitting now. Right. But people that get laid off from Disney are like, okay, I like what I was doing. I like the company I was working for. I'm not going to take it personally. Let's find a way to get back in. Mm-hmm. So what else? Let's take a, this might be a little bit of a negative question. And I don't think I intend it to be, but did you get at all turned off by any of the folks that were legacy Disney that didn't necessarily admit that they were privileged to be there like the one the i can't remember the one who didn't say because a couple of them that had legacy had parents that were like there from the beginning mm-hmm. were very much i'm 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 here because of who my father was but now it's up to me to make a name for myself there was one or two of them that i didn't feel like they did that it was a as they were talking about, oh, I didn't get laid off because of my skill set. Are you sure you didn't get laid off because your name was X? Mm-hmm. And that's not meant X attentio. I, right. I don't know that she was one of them. I'm just saying like X is a placeholder. Right. But I, I caught myself again, a, a couple times I was reading through, I'm like, she, she doesn't seem like she understands that she is one of the privileged. 
Right. And it could be just a different mindset. Like they don't think they don't think about their parents that way. And if I guess if you grow around up around something like that all the time so that that's just a way of life, I guess maybe you wouldn't put it in that perspective or see it in that perspective. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would I would hate to think that they would like openly try to deny that who they were related to had any stake in the game because of course it did. Right. And I don't think that I saw them deny it. I, I, and maybe that's just unfair of me to ask of them to just come out and say, yeah, I'm here because my dad ran Walt Disney Imagineering for 10 years. <laughs> I, I got my foot in the door. <laughs> like I was competing with 3000 other people they didn't get in interviews because of what my name was. Right. And there right. were a couple that admitted that. Yeah. Well, but you also have to, we don't know the direction that they were given when they were writing their chapters. Um, it could have been like, yeah, you can go ahead and mention that because, I mean, people are going to figure it out. Like, with the maiden name of Atencio, you know right. <laughs> who she's related. I mean, you just do. Yeah. But... It's like, okay, you can bring that up and that's fine, but talk about you. Talk about your accomplishments. Talk about what it was like for you and just sort of leave that other piece in the back because in all fairness, there could have been people that were related to whoever it may have been that didn't make it in the company and didn't make it in the book because they didn't have the tenacity. They didn't have the the stick-to-itiveness that these ladies did. They didn't have any of that. So we, we don't know. Yeah, they went to work at Walt Disney World and got fired after two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or Walt Disneyland or Disneyland. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the only thing that I, I kind of negatively thought as I was reading. The other thing that I just I wanted to make sure we talk about a little bit was the leadership lessons throughout that book, whether it be that they were leaders and had to learn to lead but the one that was bigger to me throughout all of that is every one of those people had an advocate had someone who was there giving them a hundred percent support and was again i'm using that term a couple times tonight but unapologetic about saying i see potential in you i want you to grow into the best version of you that you can be and as a leader, that's something I always try to do as well, of, of just make sure that the people, and even outside of my direct reports, I'm always kind of looking for the that diamond in the rough that I can say, let's nurture you and make you, because I, I think you're going to be the next CEO of this, this company if I put you in the right spot now. Um, and there were, every one of those ladies had someone at least once stick up for them in a meeting, put them in a good place to accomplish something that they wouldn't have been able to do alone. And how thankful that each one of them were for that mentorship and for that advocacy, I I thought was really cool. Yeah. It would have been amazing to see how, I think how different their stories would have been had they not had those advocates. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, agreed. And I wonder, like, I almost want a sequel to this book, Candace. Like, in 25 years, I want some of the people that reported to these ladies mm -hmm. to write books or write stories about their time at Walt Disney Imagineering, where these ladies are the ones that are mentioned. Mm -hmm. Like, she put me in a good position. She gave me an opportunity. She convinced me that the path I was going down wasn't right. I would love to see how that continues to grow within how that influence continues to grow throughout, throughout time. Mm -hmm. Agreed. As the company changes. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was a fantastic book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did also want to bring up the fact that like, when I was just doing some a little bit of research on the book, I noticed that there was a couple of reviews that commented that they weren't happy with the way that the book flowed. Like there was no real continuity. There was no real arc to it. And I'm like, well, you're talking about 12 different stories from 12 different people in 12 different areas of the company. How can you expect it to flow together? Yeah. That's That's not the point at all. Yeah, and it's not a fiction book. Like, what arc mm -hmm. do you expect it to have? Each yeah. one of these stories had their own arc. It's like 12 mini books. Right. I I just thought that was an interesting perspective. And I'm like, I don't think I understand what you're saying. But Yeah, no, I, I don't get that at all. Because I, I thought it was written. The only thing that maybe. So in defense of that anonymous poster to a review site, what I will say is that timelines for me mm -hmm. were hard to follow throughout like okay did these like I know a couple of these ladies knew one another they worked in the same departments whatever but I didn't like from a time timeline perspective I had trouble following yeah but like again if I had picked up each of their stories and read it on like a Harvard Business Review I wouldn't have cared about the timeline because I would have been reading their story. And that's, I, I think if you go into it expecting it to be some cohesive story about how the women of Walt Disney Imagineering changed Walt Disney Imagineering, maybe you expect there to be an arc there. But these were just 12 people's life stories. Mm -hmm. How they dealt with family, how they dealt with picking up and, and going to, to China or France or wherever for years at a time. And how they dealt with that and mm -hmm. grew through that. And heck, one of the things like is, is to go back to your point about it's a company. One of the the ladies, I don't, you'll have to help me remember which one it was, but she, she basically had to give up her passion to work at Walt Disney Imagineering. She had to find what she was good at and kind of tie it back to her passion. But as soon as she retired, she went back to painting. I think it mm -hmm. was a colorist or something like that. Um, she went back to painting and now she's doing painting and interior. Like one of them who did all of the interior design at Disneyland Paris is now doing like she retired from Walt Disney Imagineering and you can contract with her to design the inside of your house. Mm hmm. Now, like, so like, and that's where her passion was, but she believed so wholeheartedly in what Disney was trying to do and the people that she was working with that it just, she kept doing it. But like in any corporation, you have to give up a little bit of your soul. Right. And 
it it just is what it is. But you also have to find things that that make you thrive, make you want to show up and give up a little bit of your soul. Mm-hmm. And for that one lady, it was very much when she had given up as much of her soul as she could. So, okay, it's time for me to retire and I'm going to go live on a ranch and I'm going to paint. Right. And she's living her best life. Yep. Just really interesting things like that. I loved it. Yep. And I think it was interesting. There was a a blurb toward one of the chapters toward the end of the book um, where it said, you know, Disney is one of those companies that if you want to work yourself to the bone, they will absolutely let you and encourage that to happen. And I can totally see that. I mean, but, but what they're trying to build and what they are building and what they've been successful building for a hundred years now, holy cow. I mean, that's why. Yeah. That's why they're around. Yeah. Agree a hundred percent. What else? Anything else on this book that you want to chat about? Those are all the things I had written down. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I had other than I really, really, really enjoyed the book. Yeah. Good first choice for our book club. Thank you. Fitting this time of year as well, being Women's History Month. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. And to those of you that are, are watching slash listening to this back, that's Join us next time we do this. We're going to do this once a quarter. Even if it's just Candace and I that show up every time, we're going to do this because we love reading about Disney and the different things about Disney. It forces, honestly, it forces me to read when I normally don't, which I, I need to read more. And so this kind of forced me into, into that. But join us for this discussion. We'd love to hear your voice. And it's half an hour out of your out of out of a Monday night generally. Join us. Um, we would love to have your take as well. And you get to be a part of the hangar bar at that point. Who doesn't want to be a part of the hangar bar? Yeah. I mean, fix yourself a cocktail, grab a book. Let's go. And Candace, I'm going to have to get us a hangar bar background picture. We both picked something different, but it just popped into my head that why yeah. are we not sitting in the hangar bar having this hangar bar book club? I think so. Or we could <laughs> just go there. Yeah, We could. We <laughs> totally could. So, well, I wanted to thank everybody for listening. Um, And again, as Scott said, join us next time. Our book for the second quarter of this year is going to be Dream It, Do It. It is My Half Century Creating Disney's Magic Kingdoms by Marty Sklar. He was mentioned quite a number of times throughout the Women of Walt Disney Imagineering. He is a Disney legend. And yes, that's not just a nice thing to say. There is actually something called being a Disney legend. And he is one or was one. May he rest in peace. But yeah, this is going to be our next book. We'll have the discussion probably late July. No, late June. That's the next three. Yeah. Um, so we will keep you posted on when that discussion is going to be. Um, we also have a book club started in Amazon, which I will get this book linked up to. So if you want to buy it, you can. I'm sure it's available at your library, thrift books, hoopla i think is the app for the libraries i don't know um but yeah this will be the next read so i hope you join us and enjoy it and get a little bit out of it yeah i'm really looking forward to that book just because like you said in the book we read this month there are this quarter there were a lot of references to the leadership of marty sklar and how he shaped the disney company and walt disney imagineering i am 
like again, as a leader, I'm I'm happy that you're picking these leadership books because they're making me a better leader and helping me lead my team and my group better as as we go through. And I I really I'm looking forward to that book a lot. Good. Yeah. Okay. And with that, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And we'll see you real soon. Bye.